0: Welcome to Dare to Dwell, a podcast with the Daughters of St. Paul. We're so glad you're here. This season, we are gathering around the mics to share about the love of God poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit. You
1: can find out more about our work on social media at Daughter Paul. Enjoy today's episode. Hi, and welcome to Dare to Dwell, a podcast with the Daughters of St. Paul. I'm Sister Julie Benedicta. I'm Sister Oriane Pietra Renée. And today, we're going to go through… Faith hope and love chapters nine eight nope
0: <laughs> chapters chapters nine ten and eleven
1: yeah if you haven't been following along with us we're going through um just giving some meditations and some reflections and our the fruit of our own prayer uh through the book the sanctifier you definitely don't need a copy of the sanctifier to follow along with us but no. if you would like one there's a link in the show notes for that um and we just well, personally, okay, I'll speak for myself. <laughs> I love this book so much, and mm-hmm. I just really highly recommend. Uh, you know, if you need something to kind of kickstart your prayer a little bit, or to to get you to feel like you have a deeper sense of what it means to have a relationship with God, I think this is a really good book for that. Yeah, so very challenging in a good way. It is challenging. Yeah, well, I mean, it's it's challenging also just in like reading level wise. Like it is, sure. it is a little bit higher of a level uh, than than some other books, but. For me that's part of the reason I love it because it makes me slow down mm-hmm. and really try to understand what's being said. Right. So
0: Yeah. So today chapters 9, 10 and 11 are entitled The Holy Spirit strengthens our faith, the Holy Spirit inspires our hope, and the Holy Spirit fills us with love. And we actually chose to I don't even want to say pair, like triple these together because it's very difficult to separate the three theological virtues, faith, hope, and love.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is. In fact, um, <laughs> not to just like dive right in, but uh, I kind of would like to start with a quote from the end of these three chapters. Do it. Toward the end. Mm-hmm. And the first chapter, he it is about faith, but he also is just kind of generally covering the theological virtues. And the quote that really caught my attention that kind of like set the tone for me for this whole section is he says, our chief concern and duty toward the divine guest is to try to be with him. Mm. Like he talks about having a guest come over to your house and it's good to wash his feet, to put him, to sit him down at a table, to give him some food and, and all of this. But he says, it's even better to treat him affectionately, to be with him while he is under our roof, to look at him, to speak to him, to listen to him, to give him signs of friendship and love. And I just, I love that because it's like, that is the point. Mm. The point isn't just to know about someone. Mm -hmm. It is to know the person and to spend time with them. And so our chief concern and duty toward the divine guest, who is the Holy Spirit, is to try and be with him. And the other thing he says about this, he goes on a little bit further down, is he says, now this loving intimacy that the spirit longs for. That the soul sighs for. So the Holy Spirit longs for it. We mm-hmm. sigh for it. So it's, mm-hmm. it's a mutual desire. Cannot be brought about except by the theological virtues. To repeat, and he's repeating a point he makes up a little earlier. So this is kind of like summing up some of what we'll talk about. The other virtues, the like the natural virtues, the ones that we were talking about kind of in collaboration with the gifts. Right. Those other virtues, they empty the soul. in a like in the cleansing sense. They empty the soul, place it in the desired solitude, cleanse and adorn it. But for communicating with the beloved in the solitude, the theological virtues are necessary. The eyes of faith contemplate him among the shadows. The arms of hope reach him beyond time in the triumph of eternity. The heart of charity loves him with a created love made to the image and likeness of love uncreated. Wow. Love so, uncreated. So that is the point of these three chapters, but yeah, that's, that's where we're going.
0: Full stop. Bye, guys <laughs>
1: <laughs> Have a
0: good day. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think it's really beautiful to kind of be able to go back to scripture and see how, from the very beginning, faith, hope, and love have permeated. yeah, how people have both approached and experienced or expressed their experience of God. St. Paul is the one who's famous for kind of just verbalizing it so clearly. But truly, it's everywhere. And I was kind of looking back at different examples of where we see these words, or at least these concepts used in scripture. And faith is probably one of the easiest ones, actually, to peg, because Jesus throws that word around a lot, right? Where is your faith? Because of your faith, you have been healed. Your faith has saved you. If you had faith the size of a mustard seed, he's always going back to faith. And that, that faith or that, um, that trusting belief that we have in God, I, I've often heard people say that faith has no proof and that's why it's faith. But I think that's a little bit of a misnomer. Mm -hmm. I understand why people put it that way. And it's not exactly wrong, but it's not exactly right either. Right. Because our faith is always based on something. We wouldn't have faith in something unreasonable. Mm -hmm. So the reason we know we can have faith in God, the reason we are inspired to have faith in God, is because we've actually already encountered Him, Mm -hmm. right? We might not realize that we have. Mm -hmm. But if we understand faith as a gift from God, It's not something we just whip out of nowhere in our kitchen. Like, really, it is a gift from God. He inspires it in us. And we have to have already been touched by him in order to have it. Yeah. And to be able to look around and say, something must be behind this, or look what God has done in other people's lives. I think Josephine Bakita is one of my favorite saints in understanding the the growth of faith Mm -hmm. in a soul, Mm -hmm. because she, this is my interpretation of it, but like, in a sense, she started to have faith before she knew God's name. Yeah. Right. And when she was, she was kidnapped from her home in Sudan. She was ripped away from her family and the whatever traditional religion that they had, she was ripped away from. She was, she fell into um, you know, the hands of slavers who at the time were were practicing Islam, the, the slavers who took her. They gave her an Arabic name. And she forgot her real name. And all of those things happened. But all through all of those things, all of the traumas she endured, some of them she has spoken about, some of them she never really did. Mm -hmm. And through all of that, she was – her eyes stayed open. I think that's what's so amazing to me is she never got lost in her own pain. She was always still looking out. And when she was looking out, out of herself – she saw things. She saw the sun, the stars, and the moon. And she was like, but who's in charge of those? Mm-hmm. Like, who made those? Who do those belong to? And, and those little moments of wonder were the things that started to kind of spark in her that sense of, there might be something or someone for me to believe in here. Because you, it was hard for her to believe in the people around her, right? They were all using her for their own ends. hmm when she discovered Jesus Christ truly as a person and and requested baptism of her own volition, she was not offered it um by the people who owned her, well owned, I say in quotations. Um, she requested it. And she chose a name for herself or perhaps was gifted it spiritually, right? And I think it's so telling that she chose the name Joseph, mm. right? Josephine is the is the female form of Joseph. and if we look at Joseph, who <laughs> who was challenged to greater faith than Joseph? Mm-hmm. Like as someone, I mean, Mary, sure. Mary also was immaculately conceived. Joseph was not immaculately conceived. Mm-hmm. Joseph as as a regular average Joe, right? You're a regular sinful but righteous man, mm-hmm. right? He was challenged to a faith in the absolutely unbelievable, but he was able to rise to the occasion because not only had he had a personal encounter with God, but within that personal encounter, he could look back and say, you have never led me astray before. Yeah. So I'm going out on a limb here. I'm taking a leap in the dark and I'm going to believe you Mm -hmm. that my fiance really is pregnant because of you and not anybody else. Mm -hmm. And here we go.
1: I'm wondering, I, I realize um, it's partly my fault because I just wanted to jump into the end of the chapter, but um, that we have been using the phrase theological virtues yes, and didn't really explain what that is. So just oh, in case somebody is right. unaware, right? I just wanted to kind of give a little definition because Please. we talked a little bit about the virtues versus the gifts right. before. And so we're talking about like the natural virtues versus the gifts of the Holy Spirit. But the theological virtues are a little different. Mm-hmm. And the theological virtues are faith, hope, and love. And the Catechism says they are the foundation of Christian moral activity, that they inform and give life to all the moral virtues. And this is where they come from. They are infused by God into the souls of the faithful to make them capable of acting as his children and of meriting eternal life. Mm-hmm. So they are in; these are the virtues that are infused by God into the soul, right. especially at baptism. But he can also give through prevenient grace. He, he can also give faith, hope, and love yes. to a person who has not yet been baptized, which it's, would lead them to seek baptism. Right. So those th- they're different from the virtues of like justice or prudence or um, or some of these other virtues that right. that we practice and exercise. Mm-hmm. The- these are different from that. Yeah, I, I mean, mean, we do need to practice and exercise them.
0: Yes, we but do. they are
1: first infused as a gift.
0: Right. And have much more strength than we know. Like when Jesus says, if you had faith the size of a mustard seed and you actually leaned on it, right? I, I added that part. He didn't say that. But but like yeah. that is just a reminder that a little ounce of this stuff goes a long way, mm-hmm. you know?
1: Mm-hmm. I love too, to think about part of the Pauline spirituality is, you know, we have a profound devotion to Jesus, who is our master, mm-hmm. who is the way, the truth, and the life. Mm-hmm. And our founder often talked about Jesus being the truth for our mind, um, the way for our will, the life for our heart. And faith, hope, and love can kind of almost fit into those categories mm-hmm. a little bit too, where faith is primarily through the mind. Hope is often, you know, through the, through the will and love through the heart. Now, just not to think about ourselves in like compartmentalized ways, like right. we are still a single person Mm -hmm. like we are still an integrated human person and so our mind our will and our heart are are all still one Mm -hmm. um in the same way faith hope and love are all still one but but i do just really love to think about it in that way of like jesus jesus revealed himself to be truth way and life and the the way that many people not just our founder but our founder especially has kind of interpreted that is that he is the whole christ for the whole person Mm -hmm. he is he is whatever whatever part of us needs to be touched by him. He exists in that mode, yes. you know? Um, and so to think about the, the theological virtues as kind of nourishing us in all the parts of who we are
2: mm-hmm.
1: and, and coming together and actually in some ways kind of like creating the integration, like helping us to be one whole right. person.
0: Yeah. And actually... Do you remember the words of that father from scripture who who said to Jesus, Lord, I believe, help my unbelief? Yeah. I I love how you're pulling out the idea of integration, Sister Benedicta, because I think so many of us feel our our disintegration where we're Mm -hmm. not. We have Mm -hmm. pieces of us that can believe something, pieces of us that can't, right? And that doesn't, when we have parts of us that can't believe something, it doesn't make the parts that do believe it. Hypocritical. No. It doesn't make it any less real, but it is speaking to a disintegration. We're not quite united yet, right? And in those moments where part of us really can believe God's word about something or that he really will bring good out of something or that he really is present with us in a moment, that he won't let us down, that he will forgive us, all of those experiences, but part of us might not be able to do it. Mm -hmm. And I think he is the perfect example of how to respond to that moment. Yeah. Ask. Yeah. Because we can't this is something infused in us. We can't just decide, I'm integrated now.
1: (laughs) No. (laughs) That is truly the work of God. Yes. And if you were truly fully integrated, probably you'd just go be in heaven and be a saint. Yeah. 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 (laughs) You'd be assumed (laughs) it is it is typically a lifelong journey. And in fact, like I think there are moments, I was praying about this recently, like there are times when that integration and disintegration can happen multiple times in, in the, over the course of a day. Oh, yeah. Like I can go to prayer and like really feel like being with Jesus in the morning for my morning meditation. And then by the time I make it for my hour of adoration later in the day, all of a sudden I have no feelings. Maybe there's like a tinge of despair kind of in my little dramatic way of being sometimes and Mm -hmm. and and so it's it's like a constant tension of allowing this these theological virtues to really be active in my life Um, in fact i love the way that martinez talks about he says it's the foundation of prayer the root of recollection the essence of the interior life is the exercise of the theological virtues He says, perhaps the sufficient thought is not given to their importance. It may be that they are not granted the place belonging to them in the spiritual life. It may be that for lack of solid instruction through exaggerated concern for the practical and through a false humility, Mm. these virtues are at times neglected in the pursuit of more human ends. Nevertheless, the theological virtues are supreme, not only by their excellence, but also by their practical importance, by the solidity of their foundation, and because they are the beginning of our intimacy with God.
0: Can we pull out that practical importance thing for a second? Yeah. Okay. I think often when we talk about something that is an idea Mm -hmm. or a spiritual reality, we kind of assume it's inherently not practical. Yeah. But I'm just going to put this forth as an example. If you are on a sports team, Mm -hmm. let's say it's soccer, Football, if you're in the UK. And if you are part of a team and you have a great keeper, a great goalie, and you have faith in them, like you really believe that you don't have to be holding back the entire time in case a ball goes through, you really can try to strike out as a forward or whatever position you're playing and try to get the goal for your team. You will. Be- behave accordingly, right? Mm-hmm. And it will change the game.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: But if you have no faith <laughs> in your own keeper, in your own goalie, you're not going to be as daring and you're not going to score as many goals.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And there is very little more practical than that. So if we know that that is true of sports, it's true of our families, it's true of teaching somebody to drive, mm-hmm. and it's like all these things, it must therefore be true of our lives in general. And if we are able to truly have faith in God that he will redeem us, that he will bring good out of difficulty, that he does not abandon us, that he He forgives us, that literally changes how we behave, how we speak, how we eat, how we sleep. It changes everything. It changes our relationships. It changes how how courageous we are to reach out for reconciliation and how courageous we are to step away from something that we do not deserve. Yeah, Because we are recognizing we shouldn't be in that situation because that is not of God, mm-hmm. right? If we have faith in who he is, we start to recognize all of these things yeah. and it changes our lives. Yeah.
1: Yeah, it's like it, it is the lens through which we see really everything. Yeah. Literally everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: I'm going to jump to hope, but stop me. Okay. If I shouldn't jump. yeah, uh, yeah You can jump. We'll okay.
1: probably jump back and forth a couple times. Oh,
0: yeah. I mean, because yeah. they're all connected. Yeah. I remember... Growing up, I I grew up in an area where English and French were spoken, mm-hmm. right? So, hope is the word hope in, in English. Um, esperance, or like espoir. Esperance. Espoir is like hope in French. And I remember when I went to the States, I had to learn Spanish. And when I learned Spanish, I realized that the word for hope... Is the same word for wait, mm-hmm. which it's not in English and it's not in French. Like, attendre mm-hmm. is to wait in French. Okay. Esper- esperance is hope or espoir.
1: Like, but in Spanish, it's, it's esperanza. Esperanza. Esperar, is Esperar, to wait. yeah.
0: Yeah. Means to hope or to wait. And to me, that was that actually really broke open a lot of facets of what the theological virtue of hope actually means. Mm. I don't know enough to know what the Latin root of either of those words are, <laughs> but it reminded me of something very important for hope because hope is trust in a promise that will be fulfilled, right? We, we hope for what we cannot see. Mm-hmm. Um, we hope for the fulfillment of things we've seen the beginnings of, but not the end. And St. Paul often talks about how we hope against hope, like even the bounds of what defines hope, we hope further, right? But hope involves waiting. Mm -hmm. It really does. And I think that sometimes that can be the hardest thing for us because giving up is an action we can control. Yeah. And waiting, we have no time frame for. Yeah. And we really can feel out of control in waiting.
1: Yeah. And that's that's really why despair is called a sin against hope. Yes. Right? Because it is choosing in insofar as it is a choice. I mean, there's, there's emotional despair that can be more of a psychological difficulty versus like really just choosing to give up on God, mm-hmm. choosing to give up on the idea of salvation, choosing to give up on the idea of like God's love, on the idea of that he can make things better. Uh, yeah, that he, that he will bring good out of the bad that happens. Um, that that choice, that choice to just give up on that and to walk away from that. That's why that's called a sin against hope, mm-hmm. because that waiting that we're called to is what is literally infused, yeah, in us. That is that is literally what the Holy Spirit wants to do in us.
0: Yes, in French, espérance can mean um, like expectancy, like your life expectancy, for example. Uh Yeah, And again, as you're saying, we expect something to happen because we believe it's going to happen. So I I think that that's, so here we're seeing the interplay of that integration that, that you're talking about and how integration always leads to more efficacy, right? Yeah. Than disintegration. Half of a Wrench is not going to be as useful as an entire wrench when you're trying to fix something. Right. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And I love the way that Martinez kind of puts that here. He says, um, if together with hope we have charity in our souls, we have more than the promise. We possess in substance the good that we shall possess fully in heaven. hmm The Holy Spirit, our guest, our gift is the pledge of our inheritance. That's what I was kind of talking about in the last episode, right? Like that pledge of the inheritance can also be thought of as like a down payment. It's an an economic term that he uses there. It is the pledge of our inheritance. As St. Paul says, and in him, you too, when you had heard the word of truth, the good news of your salvation and believed in it, were sealed with the Holy Spirit of the promise, who is the pledge of our inheritance. And that's from Ephesians how secure is the hope that has for its pledge possession of that very good which it aspires to enjoy for eternity what happiness to carry in our souls the seed of glory the substance of heaven mm-hmm. like the what he's saying here is like we had the promise has been made to us mm-hmm. but not only do we have the promise we also actually have the gift that we have been promised yes what we don't have Is perfect vision, right? Or perfect access, or perfect, like those unity. Perfect unity, yes. Mm -hmm. So there's the the perfection that will exist in heaven is not yet here, but we do actually have the thing being promised. Yes. And then the other thing that he says, just a couple paragraphs later, and this I think is super, super important, or it has been for me.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: He says, the more we advance in the spiritual life, the stronger must be our hope. For the struggles become more terrible, the sacrifices greater, and the intimate operations of grace more profound and more difficult to understand. Yes. And that feels so counterintuitive and unfair (laughs) (laughs) that the the more we draw close to God, Mm -hmm. the more hope it actually requires because the sacrifices get harder. The struggles become more difficult and the operations of grace become more profound and difficult to understand. Like they're happening so deeply in our souls that they're like at the bottom of the ocean. We can't see them anymore right. at that point. And I think for me in moments when I have had like, I'm no mystic, but like glimmers <laughs> of what it would mean for me to have a deeper relationship with the Lord. Yes. Yes. It has been very difficult, and sometimes I have failed, to not turn around (laughs) and run the other way because it can be scary. Mm -hmm. Because what it looks like is Good Friday.
0: Right. Yeah.
1: And and Good Friday for Jesus, Good Friday for Mary, Mm -hmm. Good Friday for the disciples. Yeah. Like all of those different experiences are the ones that when we start to have them, Mm -hmm. (laughs) though we don't typically consciously think of it this way, do mean that we're actually drawing closest to God.
0: I think it is really important. I think that's actually one of the most important quotes of Martinez from these three chapters, just because it's so real. And it's very, it's both counterintuitive and against what a lot of people will tell us. Oh, it goes completely against like prosperity gospel. Right. It's like the opposite. And so C.S. Lewis has this quote that I really love. Oh, good. Yeah. And it, it... I think it illumines this idea of us having to make greater sacrifices, greater because God is getting at those things that we couldn't even see but are underlying, all Mm -hmm. the things we could see that we knew we would have to either give up, change, grow in, whatever. Mm -hmm. So C.S. Lewis says, imagine yourself as a living house. God comes in to rebuild that house. Okay. At first, perhaps, you can understand what he's doing. He's getting the drains right and stopping the leaks in the roof and so on. You knew that those jobs needed doing, and so you're not surprised. But presently, he starts knocking the house about in a way that hurts abominably and does not seem to make any sense. What on earth is he up to? The explanation is that he is building quite a different house from the one you thought of, Mm. throwing out a new wing here, putting on an extra floor there, running up towers, making courtyards. You thought you were being made into a decent little cottage, but he is building a palace because he intends to come and live in it himself mm. And I love that because I think that it's really I mean, I love cottages. It's really easy <laughs> to say, "I just want to be a decent little cottage. like i'm yeah. I'm just little me, which is true. Mm-hmm. And I will always be little, which is true. And that's good enough for me, like, just make me the best me that I can be." And God's like, great, mm-hmm. I will. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Because, because in our littleness, it's in our li- littleness that God builds a palace that is full of life, right? Like those courtyards, it's full of life and, and water and fountains and birds and living things where people can gather and be together and towers where you can have a different perspective on things. All of those things need to be built. We don't come with them and very seldom do we aspire to them because it's too bold? Yeah, it's too daring. It might even
1: seem selfish to us, right? But God's like, no, no, no. Or even if that's not the case, our just our imagination is right. not God's imagination. <laughs> well, that's very true. God imagined <laughs> the platypus,
0: <laughs> and
1: we still we know what it looks like, and we still can't figure it out. <laughs> yeah, you know, like god is so creative and god's imaginative ability like is literally infinite like he he created imagination itself yeah so it's just or like have you ever seen like um when a little kid starts to like really kind of come into their artistic ability and 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 they really do have like a gift for it Mm -hmm. and all of a sudden they're like drawing pictures of things that Blow your mind <laughs> because they're so completely irrational, or like they can be confounding sometimes. So, but yeah, but they're incredibly imaginative and and yes. creative, and it's exciting and fun to see them kind of stretching in that way. God can look at us and see something that we could not in our wildest dreams, and sometimes our dreams can be pretty wild. Yeah, imagine that that could be possible, not just possible for me, but possible. Period.
0: Yeah. I think, you know, I saw on TikTok once this this video about this little boy who, when he was four years old, he got interested in dressmaking. Hmm. He was four. And his parents made him like a fake mannequin out of Amazon boxes because he was four. So, you know, I mean, it was still <laughs> mm-hmm. a huge step for them to take to make that for him. Like that was clearly very, a very loving, supportive thing to do. But he was also four years old. He didn't know how to sew or anything. Yeah. He started making these like fascinating out of the box actually kind of cool designs and it got to the point that i think when he was five years old if i remember correctly they got him a real mannequin and they they put him in sewing lessons as a five you think the little hands of a five-year-old and most five-year-olds really have rather poor dexterity right yeah they're still learning he he had his own fashion show when he was five and really fascinating designs that i never would have thought of and they're actually kind of they're cool like they they make you stop and think and he created this one dress i i don't remember if it was for for his friend or cousin or sister or what but it was a girl and it had these huge like puffed sleeves basically and the puffs were white and the rest of the dress was a darker i can't remember it was blue or green but um he called it something about being in the clouds Hmm. And for me, watching that, it was just such a reminder that God's imagination, if there are people around us whose imaginations have not been informed by as many things, even though they're they're less inhibited, maybe than an adult for sure, mm-hmm. but hasn't been informed by quite as many things, and he's imagining you wearing the sky, basically mm-hmm. because you're worthy of it, right? Like. If he can imagine that as a 4-year-old, mm. what can the God who created that child imagine?
2: Yeah.
1: For us. Yeah, right? That's when you said that image of of that he could imagine someone wearing the sky like I immediately thought of the image of Mary with with the the stars as her crown. Yes, you know. Yeah, the moon under her feet. And the moon under her feet and like who but God could imagine putting someone that he loved in that sort of a position, you know, <laughs> yeah. that, that sort of a position of, of glory and yeah. and kind of royal splendor, right? Mm-hmm. Like, maybe we could come up with, like, hyperbole that kind of expressed things like that, but never to think, yeah, no, that's yours. Right. Mm-hmm.
0: And the fact that even that description, it didn't come from us. It came from God. That's mm-hmm. in, in Revelation, right. right? God's like, hey, I want you to think about this. Mm-hmm. And we're mm-hmm. like, okay. <laughs> And we do. And now every time I see an image of people with like celestial things on them, like, you know, when people draw a person, whether it's a woman figure or a man figure with stars in their hair or whatever, Mm -hmm. it always reminds me of who began that imagery for us or who at least brought it to a place where we could see just how deep it ran.
1: Yeah. And then it's true. Like we are meant to share in that. Yes, we are. Mm -hmm.
0: And actually, C.S. Lewis himself talks about how, how even imagination, no less so than any other human
1: faculty, points back to God.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Okay, so we've talked a little bit about hope. Mm-hmm. We've talked a little bit about faith, mm-hmm. and the greatest of these <laughs> is charity. So faith, hope, and love. And and when we talk about love, it's not just like sappy lovey-dovey love, nope, but really charity. Yeah. And I kind of thought it might be helpful to use the very, very simple definition that the catechism gives us, Mm -hmm. which is that it is the theological virtue by which we love God above all things for his own sake and our neighbor as ourselves for the love of God.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: So that's like triple rooted in God. (laughs) It's triple because number one, it's infused by God into us. Mm -hmm. Number two, it's love for God for his own sake. And number three, its love of neighbor and love of ourselves for the love of God. Mm-hmm. So triple rooted in God, and it has to be it has to be connected to the roots mm-hmm.
0: because yeah. I think it's very easy for us. It is actually one of the primary temptations we will face as Christians to start to accidentally or on purpose divide our gifts, our aspirations, even our virtues from the root of that triple root love and i think so in in first corinthians 13 when paul is talking about you know these three theological virtues he and he's really breaking down love as the as the most important and he picks all of the most profound and amazing and like uh, um, awe-inspiring and like makes you respect people kind of things and he's like that doesn't mean a stinking thing if love is not the root of it, he actually says, if I speak in the tongues of humans and angels, but I don't have love, I'm a noisy gong or a clang- clanging cymbal. You're just noise. It mm-hmm. doesn't matter. If I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to remove mountains, but I don't have love, he says, I am nothing. Mm-hmm. If I give away all my possessions, If I hand over my body so that I may boast, but do not have love, I gain nothing. I'm not sure you can word it more strongly than that.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I think sometimes maybe we get really used to this passage and maybe we don't really consider what it means to be nothing. Yeah. Like that is to not exist. Right. Right.
0: Because if your soul is of God and God is love. Mm Mm-hmm. If you're cutting yourself off from that root, like mm-hmm. you've lost your identity, or you're trying to lose your identity. Yeah. Yeah. I like how Paul also reminds us that love never ends.
2: Mm. Yeah.
0: Because as Martinez keeps reminding us, <laughs> the Holy Spirit is love. Mm-hmm. And when we talk about love as Christians, we know that love is a person, right? As as John tells us, God is love. And that doesn't mean that love is God. We mean that God is love. And what I mean by that is the definition in the Webster Dictionary of love is not God. Mm -hmm. Right? Right. God is the standard. He is the definition. That's how we know what love is, not because of any other cultural, societal, linguistic concept that we may have.
1: Yeah, the word love doesn't tell us about God. God tells us about the word love. Amen. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so, gosh. This is like the whole point. (laughs) So it's really hard to. Yeah. I mean, okay, so the line. Martinez is fairly famous for. He says, true devotion to the Holy Spirit is the mutual possession between him and the soul. Mm -hmm. So this this phrase, I think, has been in every chapter that we've gone through so far, this mutual possession. But true devotion to the Holy Spirit in order to be like truly devoted to God, to the third person of the Trinity, is the mutual possession between him and the soul. And he says charity is the most perfect image of the Holy Spirit with whom it has a very close relationship. Mm-hmm. When charity is in the soul, the Holy Spirit lives in it. And when the spirit gives himself into a soul, he pours charity into it. So it's kind of like what you were saying, like they're synonymous. Right. You can't have one without the other. The degree of charity in any soul is the measure of the mutual possession that exists between itself and the spirit. It is the measure of all the infused virtues and the gifts of the spirit. It is the measure of the mutual possession that exists between itself and the spirit. He keeps like repeating himself, but like in different ways. <laughs> but this is my favorite part. It is the measure of grace and of glory.
0: Mm, wow. I love how. Okay, in scripture, now that you're you're pulling out that measure quote, in scripture, we are reminded that the measure with which we measure mm-hmm. out will mm-hmm. be measured to us. And we don't talk that way, <laughs> at least not in Canada or the U.S., um, in terms of how we use the word measure. Mm-hmm. But we know what it means. Like, it's close enough to how we use it now that we get the point. We measure in definable units. God goes beyond units and therefore he allows us the same capacity i think see C- i'm going back to cs lewis but i think cs lewis once said something to the effect of you never really have anything if you haven't given it away mm. and i think that is that's such a beautiful way to understand god's gift as well he he is, he doesn't just have love he is love but he gives it right and that's actually why he is love <laughs> Because he gives it and we have it the more as we give it the more because we participate in it as we give. And that's actually the harder part. Yeah. Yeah. Or it can be anyway.
1: It can be. I mean, he also says, Martinez also says, the exercise of charity is a brief and delightful road for the attainment of sanctity. (laughs) It's brief because everything is simplified when it's treated thoroughly. And it's delightful because love facilitates every effort and sweetens every sacrifice. Mm -hmm. And so it's like, yeah, it can be harder Mm -hmm. because it can mean having to detach myself from something that maybe I'm like grasping onto, that I'm holding tightly to, that I'm finding my identity in, that I'm, um, I don't know, that I feel I deserve or that I've earned or something. I have to detach myself from those things in order to properly love God for his own sake and my neighbor for God's sake. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, even though that's hard, and even though this does not negate what he said before about advancing in the spiritual life means that the struggles become more terrible, yeah. it does make it more delightful, more beautiful. There is consolation in it that is of a different kind, like the the spiritual consolation that yeah. comes from this is more powerful than and not necessarily always by feeling mm-hmm. but but it is definitely objectively true, and we will see that from the perspective of heaven if we don't see it now, yeah, that the consolations that we experience the the gift of the spirit, the closeness to God, is better than the struggles are bad
0: mm-hmm. and and I think you know, regardless of whether or not it brings a giddy joy or none at all, right? right? Because it can do either or somewhere in between. Yeah. It always brings peace and it always brings freedom. Mm -hmm. And those are, in
1: fact, the greater consolations. Yeah. And I don't think we defined hope earlier. So I just thought Maybe, oh. maybe it would be helpful because I feel like I just brought charity and like talked, <laughs> like pointed to hope. But like maybe, I don't know, maybe it's easy, easier to see if we define it. But the, uh, the catechism calls it the theological virtue by which we desire the kingdom of heaven and eternal life as our happiness. Mm-hmm. And it says we place our trust in Christ's promises, relying not on our own strength, but on the help of the grace of the Holy Spirit. So the hope is not just like a general optimistic outlook. Right. Right. It is actually the de- the virtue by which we desire heaven and eternal life. Yeah. So being able to say that the consolations of God are better than the struggles are bad mm-hmm. is a function of hope. Yes. And it's when we don't feel that, that we need the supernatural, supernatural, <laughs> <laughs> the supernatural virtue of hope. To take its place and to begin to act in us yeah. to help us to see that. Mm-hmm. And that's what counteracts despair.
0: Mm-hmm. I, I really appreciate how Martinez, um, I can't remember exactly where he says it, but he says that although despair is not necessarily the worst sin by any means, it can be the more dangerous. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it's really important in moments where we are tempted to despair. And some of us will be honestly just more prone to that than others. And that's natural. Don't beat yourself up if you're one of those people. But if
1: I raise my hand. <laughs>
0: <really>. <laughs> you cannot see, but it is <laughs> happening. Um, if you are one of those people, or if you're not and you're still facing that temptation, I think it's really important a, to know that it's normal to face temptation and it's normal to face that temptation. you're not weird. And b, to recognize that often the only way to to not fall into despair is to ask. For the strength to hope, because very rarely can we just get there on our, oh, well, we can never really get there on our own, never. but we can definitely yeah. fool ourselves into thinking that we did. Yeah. But ask. I think it's, it's really easy for us to sit around and wish God was giving us something, but not ask for it. And it's not that God doesn't see that we need it but we when we are sitting in that disposition of wishing and not asking, it's actually a symptom of the fact that we haven't opened ourselves up to receive because as soon as you put your hands out for something, that is a nonverbal question mm-hmm. right? And if I'm sitting there wishing, I'm usually sitting like maybe slouched over with my arms crossed, right? So even physically, I'm not really asking for anything I'm just hypothetically wishing as soon as I open up my hands, I'm asking and It's the same in the spiritual life. When you are ready to ask or when you push yourself to ask when it doesn't feel comfortable, you have opened yourself up. Mm -hmm. You have.
1: Okay. So I love what you just said about despair, um, Mm -hmm. partly because I am somebody who would raise my hand and say that that (laughs) is something that is one of the major temptations that I struggle with. Right. And um, I was reading this book that is now hitting the microphone. So you all know it's real. (laughs) Um, I was reading this book, Personal Prayer, A Guide for Receiving the Father's Love. And I think I've mentioned it on the pod- podcast before. Yes. It's by Father Thomas Acklin and Father Boniface Hicks. and It's hardcover, in case you can't tell by the sound. It <laughs> keeps knocking the microphone. They they have a whole section Okay, so many of the sections, this is one of the most practical books on prayer I've ever read, mm-hmm. and many of the sections go into what to do with our feelings right. when we're praying, right? And that is important. Our feelings and our emotions. And and despair, while it can be a conscious choice and a sin, it can also be a feeling that leads to the temptation, sure. to the conscious choice and the sin, right? Mm-hmm. So he says, um, okay, this is on page 100 of this book. They say, How do we handle our feelings and what role do they play in prayer? By noticing them without becoming absorbed in them, we can go even deeper into our relationship with God in prayer, and we can begin to make sense of our experience and also begin to shape it by conscious choices. Ultimately, our emotions can be trained and transformed to become a powerful support to our virtues and part of a more perfect act of love, worship, hope, or faith. We must be patient with ourselves and slowly through the exercise of the intellect and the will, we can guide our emotions in the right direction. Mm. So I love this because they're basically saying, like, when we have these feelings, we bring them to our prayer and we talk to God about them. And we start to learn, like, what does God say to me because of this? I mean, this is a whole section. I'm just reading small quotes because otherwise
0: we have probably, another season. <laughs> it would probably be an eighteen
1: hour <laughs> audiobook. Um, but but the uh, but the their point kind of is like th- we can learn by what God says to us when we bring our feelings to him, we can learn a little bit more about what our feelings are telling us, right, right? because it's it's healthy <laughs> to have emotions and it's healthy to have feelings, and it's healthy to pay attention to them. Mm-hmm. And they are God-given. And so the attentiveness to them is good. It's when we let them kind of drive that it becomes a problem. And about 11 pages later, they ask the question, have you ever wondered if you would have the faith to give your life if you were facing martyrdom? (laughs) Have you ever wondered if you pray with a person who has an infirmity, whether you have the faith to pray for healing and to believe it will take place? The total confidence it takes to be a martyr or to believe totally that the Lord wants to answer our prayer is the same total confidence that animates our loving faith in prayer. Indeed, it is not going too far to say that loving faith is the very substance of prayer. Prayer must be practiced. And by becoming free from riding the roller coaster of fluctuating feelings, (laughs) we can be free to grow in faith and hope, bearing fruit in love and confidence. Mm -hmm. And they keep going, but that's where I'll stop. Um, (laughs) That was a mic drop.
3: (laughs) That's what that was. (laughs) (laughs)
1: Literally. (laughs) But I just love that. So I love, first of all, I love the image of freeing ourselves from the roller coaster of feelings when it comes to our prayer. And the way that we get off the roller coaster is not to stop having feelings, Mm -hmm. but it's to stop letting them drive. Right. Yeah.
0: And I think that's so important because, I mean, we all have emotions. We all will experience them a little bit differently. And some personalities are more prone to getting caught in one emotion and going super, 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 super deep into it. And others are more prone to like feeling many at the same time maybe getting overwhelmed by the fact they feel many at the same time it mm-hmm. might not be like the depth that might lead to a downward spiral but at the same time it might be very overwhelming and distracting and mm-hmm. might take over your thoughts mm-hmm. and it's good to have emotion
2: mm-hmm.
0: it, it's a good thing but i think we often conflate our emotion with our person
2: mm-hmm.
0: like my emotion is me hmm but it's not. It's a part of you. Yeah. It. But it's not your identity. It's not your core. And just like whether or not I ha- I'm having a bad hair day that day <laughs> is not reflective of the choices that I will make in the day. Like if I'm having a bad hair day, it doesn't mean that I won't be great at my job, Yeah. right? Even though I might not look as professional <laughs> as I might want to in the way society defi- defines that. But similarly, I might be having emotions that are difficult and that might pose to me a temptation of some kind. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: But that's not going to define or doesn't need to define the choices that I will make. It might inform them.
1: Right. Yes.
0: But it does not define them. I make that choice. Right.
1: Like if we're in the depths of grief over the loss of a very close loved one or something, our emotions should tell us how we need to be treating ourselves and how we need to be behaving. Right. We should allow them to inform that. Yeah. We don't just... Go to work the next day and plaster a smile on our face. That, nope. that would not be normal and human. Not healthy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, so it's not to say that we disregard them, mm-hmm. but we do bring them to the Lord and ask him to help us to know what the right choice is from within it. And I love the way that our dear fathers who wrote this book point to the fact that when we do that, not only are we utilizing the gifts of faith, hope, and love that we're given, mm-hmm. but we're also fostering them within ourselves.
0: Right. And allowing them to help us take the reins the way we're supposed to,
1: yeah, allowing God to take the reins, yeah, to live out of the freedom that God intends for us. Mm-hmm.
0: yeah, I think it's really beautiful how, at the beginning of the Rosary mm-hmm. those those first three Hail Marys are not are they're not part of one of the mystery decades, right? They are requesting an increase of faith, an increase of hope, and an increase of charity. And, Often, you know, we kind of it can be tempting to kind of rush through a rosary mm-hmm. and Apostles create Our Father, okay, and now for an increase of faith, hope, and charity, go boom. Yeah. <laughs> Which is, I mean, I'm not saying you need to pray an absorbently slow rosary all the time, but it, I do <laughs> think it is important that before we ask for those things, we're actually asking for those things. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And. Those are transformative because not only will they change how you pray the rest of your rosary, but those are also the things that are going to open your eyes in your life to being able to receive any gift, any revelation, any mystery that God has to give to you.
1: So, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, we can consciously stir up within ourselves a desire for that
0: Mm -hmm. when we pray for it. Mm -hmm. I heard once someone describe it as like when you make chocolate milk as opposed to buying it. If you let it sit on the counter too long, it starts to separate <laughs> and all the chocolate falls to the bottom. Mm-hmm. She's like, it's not like the chocolate's not in the milk, mm-hmm. but you have to stir it up.
1: Yep. She's like, so stick your
0: spoon in there and nope. start
1: stirring. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And it's the same thing too, like with a fire, right? Mm-hmm. Like if you let the embers just kind of sit there. Yes. Well, there there is heat and it will go out eventually if you don't do anything. But if you stir it up, mm-hmm. it will blaze. You'll get some you can roast some marshmallows. Yes other delicious things (laughs) okay this is the idea that i think best sums up this whole section oh let's do it okay martina says charity joins us closely to the holy spirit it puts us in contact with the divine flame the unique source of holiness who would not burn if led into a glowing furnace who can escape being sanctified if he throws himself into the very essence of sanctity and I love that. Who can escape being sanctified if he throws himself into the very essence of sanctity? Like he's saying, like, charity is the thing that if we throw ourselves into it, we can't help but be transformed by it. Right. And then he goes on to talk about, like, people who have different concerns and kind of what we talked about with despair, like all these different things. And he says, all of these concerns are no doubt encouraged by the devil to prevent souls from attaining their proper good. Mm. That's where they come from. How can I dare to love God if I am full of misery and of sin? How can God love me in that condition? How can there be mutual correspondence that love demands? The answer is that loving God is not only a most precious right that we all have, but also a most happy duty. Mm. Right. And he continues to go on and say, like, the fact that we are imperfect, he uses the word wretched. I don't really like that word, but
0: (laughs) (laughs) I kind of do, actually. (laughs) (laughs) sometimes you just feel like that yeah yeah yeah
1: but the fact the fact that we have all this gunk up in our souls Mm -hmm. does not diminish god's incomprehensible beauty his infinite goodness his boundless mercy or any of the other titles that he has to our love any of the other claims that he has on our love Mm. he says rather our imperfections if we consider them well are a stimulus to love so the very thing that very often gets us to kind of like back away from God to say, I'm not worthy. Get away from me. Like, like mm-hmm. Peter on the boat. Right. right? Like, Lord, a I'm a sinful, sinful man. man. Depart from me. Mm-hmm. These are actually a stimulus to love because he says they cry out to us that we must look outside of ourselves for that which our heart desires. They remind us that we are not sufficient within ourselves, that we must lift our eyes and our soul to merciful love, to the only one. Who can take pity on our miseries and tenderly cure them? For our miseries are a testimony of the immense goodness of God. Lowly as we are, he loves us and not only gives us the right, but imposes on us the duty of loving him. Mm. Boom.
0: I love that. And I think the beauty of any of God's impositions, so to speak, mm-hmm. <laughs> is that he really does it in us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. C.S. Lewis yeah. also has a quote, something to the effect of <laughs> <laughs> that um, God does not love us because we are good. Mm. We become good because he loves us. Yes. Right? Yeah. And I think that's a really important distinction to make because that is a temptation, as Martinez is pulling out, to yeah. start falling into thinking that way yeah. that because I am X, Y, Z, or because I am not X, Y, right? Z, therefore— God will not love me. God cannot forgive me, or he can't do with me these things.
1: Mm-hmm. It's not true, yeah. and he he says, like the ocean that seeks a bed into which to pour its fullness, the infinite God seeks the immensity of our misery in order to fill it. Wow. So I think I talked a little bit about my my own reflection on the abyss of our souls, mm-hmm. right? the the vastness of our souls and our capacity to hold. That's what God wants. He wants that big open space so that he can come fill it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. He's not there to ignore that space. Basically, he's there to seek it out
1: and fill he it. He doesn't see it and say, Oh, you're gross. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> that's, yeah, that's good. <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's true. This makes me want to go to chapel. Let's do it. Okay. I think I have a challenge. Okay. The challenge for you or a challenge for everyone? <laughs> Everyone, OK,
0: also me. <laughs> I would invite you to pick up your rosary or just use your three of your fingers, <laughs> and pray that little string of that, that three couplet, what do you call it a triplet
1: triplet? <laughs>
0: yeah, I know math. <laughs> <laughs> to pray that triplet of Hail Mary's, and ask individually, for the sake of this challenge, don't start by saying for an increase of faith, hope and love, for an increase of faith. Hail Mary, full of grace. For an increase of hope. Hail Mary, full of grace. And for an increase of charity or love.
1: Mm -hmm. I'm trying to think, like, should we lead that into the chaplet? Pray that and then start the
0: chaplet. Oh, you want to? Sure. Yeah, let's do that. Okay. So we're going to pray the challenge with you. (laughs) And if you don't have time right now (laughs) or if you would like to pray it twice, we would encourage you to do so. so. We ask the Lord humbly for an increase of faith. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed
1: is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen.
0: And we ask the Lord for an increase of hope. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus.
1: Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. And we ask for an increase of charity.
0: Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women,
1: and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. So the first decade is for the gift of wisdom. Come, Holy Spirit, fill the hearts of your faithful with the gift of wisdom, and enkindle in them the fire of your love. Send forth your Spirit, O Lord, and they shall be created,
0: and you shall renew the face of the earth.
1: Come, Holy Spirit, fill the hearts of your faithful with the gift of wisdom, and enkindle in them the fire of your love. Send forth your Spirit, O Lord, and they shall be created, and you shall renew the face of the earth. Come, Holy Spirit, fill the hearts of your faithful with the gift of wisdom, and enkindle in them the fire of your love. Send forth your Spirit, O Lord, and they shall be created.
0: And you shall renew the face of the earth.
1: O Holy Spirit, beloved of my soul, come and make your home in my heart. The second set is for the gift of understanding. Come, Holy Spirit, fill the hearts of your faithful with the gift of understanding, and enkindle in them the fire of your love. Send forth your Spirit, O Lord, and they shall be created
0: and you shall renew the face of the earth.
1: Come Holy Spirit, fill the hearts of your faithful with the gift of understanding and enkindle in them the fire of your love. Send forth your Spirit O Lord and they shall be created
0: and you shall renew the face of the earth.
1: Come Holy Spirit, fill the hearts of your faithful with the gift of understanding and enkindle in them the fire of your love. Send forth your spirit, O Lord, and they shall be created.
0: And you shall renew the face of the earth.
1: O Holy Spirit, beloved of my soul,
0: come make your home in my heart.
1: The third set is for the gift of counsel. Come, Holy Spirit, fill the hearts of your faithful with the gift of counsel, and enkindle in them the fire of your love. Send forth your spirit, O Lord, and they shall be created. And you shall renew the face of the earth. Come, Holy Spirit, fill the hearts of your faithful with the gift of counsel, and enkindle in them the fire of your love. Send forth your Spirit, O Lord, and they shall be created. And you shall
0: renew the face of the earth.
1: Come, Holy Spirit, fill the hearts of your faithful with the gift of counsel, and enkindle in them the fire of your love. Send forth your Spirit, O Lord, and they shall be created.
0: And you shall renew the face of the earth.
1: O Holy Spirit, beloved of my soul, Come, make your home in my heart for the gift of fortitude. Come, Holy Spirit, fill the hearts of your faithful with the gift of fortitude and enkindle in them the fire of your love. Send forth your Spirit, O Lord, and they shall be created,
0: and you shall renew the face
1: of the earth. Come, Holy Spirit, fill the hearts of your faithful with the gift of fortitude and enkindle in them the fire of your love. Send forth your Spirit, O Lord, and they shall be created,
0: and you shall renew the face of the earth.
1: Come, Holy Spirit, fill the hearts of your faithful with the gift of fortitude, and enkindle in them the fire of your love. Send forth your Spirit, O Lord, and they shall be created,
0: and you shall renew the face of the earth.
1: O Holy Spirit, beloved of my soul,
0: come make your home in my heart.
1: For the gift of knowledge, Come, Holy Spirit, fill the hearts of your faithful with the gift of knowledge and enkindle in them the fire of your love. Send forth your Spirit, O Lord, and they shall be created.
0: And you shall renew the face of the earth.
1: Come, Holy Spirit, fill the hearts of your faithful with the gift of knowledge and enkindle in them the fire of your love. Send forth your Spirit, O Lord, and they shall be created.
0: And you shall renew the face of the earth.
1: Come, Holy Spirit. Fill the hearts of your faithful with the gift of knowledge, and enkindle in them the fire of your love. Send forth your Spirit, O Lord, and they shall be created.
0: And you shall renew the face of the earth.
1: O Holy Spirit, beloved of my soul,
0: come make your home in my heart.
1: For the gift of piety. Come, Holy Spirit, fill the hearts of your faithful with the gift of piety, and enkindle in them the fire of your love. Send forth your Spirit, O Lord, and they shall be created
0: and you shall renew the face
1: of the earth. Come Holy Spirit, fill the hearts of your faithful with the gift of piety, and enkindle in them the fire of your love. Send forth your Spirit, O Lord, and they shall be created,
0: and you shall renew the face of the earth.
1: Come Holy Spirit, fill the hearts of your faithful with the gift of piety, and enkindle in them the fire of your love. Send forth your Spirit, O Lord, and they shall be created,
0: and you shall renew the face of the earth. O Holy
1: Spirit, beloved of my soul,
0: come make your home in my heart.
1: For the gift of fear of the Lord, come Holy Spirit, fill the hearts of your faithful with the gift of fear of the Lord, and enkindle in them the fire of your love. Send forth your Spirit, O Lord, and they shall be created,
0: and you shall renew the face of the earth.
1: Come Holy Spirit, fill the hearts of your faithful with the gift of fear of the Lord, and enkindle in them the fire of your love. Send forth your Spirit, O Lord, and they shall be created.
0: And you shall renew the face of the earth.
1: Come, Holy Spirit, fill the hearts of your faithful with the gift of fear of the Lord, and enkindle in them the fire of your love. Send forth your Spirit, O Lord, and they shall be created.
0: And you shall renew the face of the earth.
1: O Holy Spirit, beloved of my soul,
0: come, make your home in my heart.
1: By myself, I I can can do do nothing. But with God, God, I I can can do all things. For the love love
0: of God, God, I want to do all things. To Him, honor and glory. To me, the eternal eternal reward. Holy Spirit, vivify me. Love of God, consume me. The way of truth, lead me. With your grace, empower me. You are the promised one sent by the Father, reminding us of all that Jesus Master taught. I ask you for no other knowledge no other wisdom than that of Christ crucified, and that he may live in me. Thank you so much for listening. Dare to Dwell is a production of the Daughters of St. Paul and is brought to you by our generous supporters on Patreon. For more information about our sisters or ministry, or to learn about how you can support us, visit connect.pauline.org patreon. God bless you.